even if you went to the camp, you're like five five, five six. They wouldn't take you, you know. And he goes, so I, so I just, just matter of fact, so what time did you go to the camp? He goes, oh, a little bit early. The guy was uh, sweeping the dugouts. I went over there and asked him, um, you need any help? And I go, was there anybody else at the camp, any other campers? He goes, oh, no, I was that first guy. Good, that's why you made the team, you know. And, and kids nowadays, they don't understand those kind of things, you know. Like, you got to separate yourself. And that's why I told the kid, hey, take a video of yourself cleaning up the place. You know, because that's what's important a lot of times. You know, I might separate you. You work hard, but then you're a good teammate. And that's kind of important, I think, nowadays in, in all sports, I think. I said, I don't think I'm ready. And then the famous words this one coach told me, Dick Matsuwaka, he uh, tells me, so when are you going to be ready? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. We've been granted another gift to learn today. Of all the podcasts you could toss in your earbuds, and there are a ton, you chose this one, and I promise that I don't take that for granted. Thanks for being part of the High School Coaches Club. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the Gang Over Netting Pros. They've powered the High School Coaches Club for years now, and if you need any facility improvements, make them your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, Turf and turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush their baseball and softball world on a daily basis. But they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, email info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. And let me tell you, on Twitter, they are sharing some fire content as so many teams are preparing for the upcoming outdoor spring seasons. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by Dan Miramaru, the longtime head baseball coach at Mid-Pacific Institute, a private pre-K through 12 school in Honolulu, Hawaii. Those in the baseball world will certainly know of Hawaii-born Kai Correa, the bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. I reached out to him a few months ago in hopes of finding a solid coach in Hawaii, and he absolutely delivered for us with Coach Miramaro. Dunn has been the baseball head coach at MPI for 36 years and is closing in on 50 years spent coaching baseball in the islands. It's a long, long time, just a wealth of knowledge. He'll give us a deep look into the rich history of the sport in Hawaii, some of the lessons he's learned throughout his long career, and many of the ways in which he teaches kids. It was a really cool experience, so let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 78 with Dan Miramaro. Dan Miramaro, thanks for joining me, man. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I had mentioned this to you before, but I had reached out to Kai Correa, who I, uh, people in the baseball world know him, obviously, through you know Friday Fielders, and he, he posted just a ton of content for years online, and uh, then obviously now he's the the bench coach for the San Francisco Giants, but uh, a lot of us you know know him from the previous days, and I reached out to him a, you know, a couple weeks ago, and just said, hey, like, obviously, he's big in the Hawaii world, and I said, hey, what do you, what coach, or who, who would you recommend me have on the show, and without hesitation, uh, he says done. Yeah, I got to spend the last two days with him, three days. Um, 
we had the Friday feeders on Friday. We had a um, clinic from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. And then after that, we went out to eat, and that was even greater. <laughs> and then <laughs> the next, huh? we just talked about baseball. you know. And we closed the restaurant down at 12 and came home. And the next day, they had a coach's clinic at our school. And so Kai was one of the speakers, so that went from like 4 to 9 o'clock. And after we went eating again with his dad and his brother and Keone Duran um, from the Kansas City Royals, the hitting coach with Kansas City Royals, again, we closed the place, we closed the restaurant out at 12. I mean, it was great two days. You know, we're just talking baseball. You know, it was like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool when you have clinics and different things that, you know, people go to for coaching and, you know, the the speakers and all the the main events and side things. Those are all cool. But I, I've, I've found kind of like you're talking about some of the best conversations come from when you're not actually at the clinic, when you're moving from place to place or having a meal and just kind of organically talking through things and asking questions. And that's kind of the most fun part, I think. Yeah, I look forward every year. He comes in and he does it and we go and eat after it. I tell you, it is unbelievable. I mean, I wish people could hear the conversation that goes on. You know, it's just about baseball, about the Giants, about the Royals, and just everything, you know. It's so neat. Take me back for you to your high school days. I know you grew up on the islands. What was uh, high school like for you? Okay, so I was a little young, you know. Um, so when I was 13, I think I played JV baseball, and... I was like 4'11", 99 pounds, you know, so <laughs> I was kind of tiny and um, a little young. I went to school a little early, so I got to graduate when I was 16. So, but anyway, I I, I played JV baseball, 9th and 10th grade, and then I played varsity. I didn't even start as a junior, and then somebody got hurt, and I got to play. And then um, I graduated at 5'6", 125 pounds. I never went. I never played college baseball. I just played um, semi-pro baseball in Hawaii, and I and I was so fortunate that I was able to play under just the legends of Hawaii, like um, Pop Eldridge. His son Pal Eldridge does the UH baseball games, and he's one. He was one of the coaches at Punahou, one of the um, elite schools in Hawaii, and I got to play for um, Dick Kashiwaeda who um, played in played with the Yomiri Giants in Japan. And my sensei, I call him, he just passed away. But he is Colton Hunter. And he's uh, he played for the University of Houston. In fact, he's in the Hall of Fame at the University of Houston. And he, had, he got to play for the Nankai Hawks and managed in Japan and Nankai Hawks. And he came back and he coached me for three, four years. And... The information I got from him was unbelievable. In fact, to this day, I just used a lot of stuff that he, you know, gave me. It was kind of like a relationship, like um, Luke Skywalker and Yoda. I, I just felt so <laughs> inferior all the time. I'd come up with this thing, and he just, you know, tell me, uh, that's okay. It, it's not so good. Just <laughs> uh, once, one time, we're playing. And I was on second base. Well, actually, I was on um, I was on first. And our best hitter was up, first and second, two outs. Our best hitter is up. And for that reason, that year, we played in this small park. Lefty was like 275. And this guy's a <laughs> pool hitter. 
And I run on second, he faked the steal, and I put my head down. I thought he stole, so I ran, and I got caught <laughs> in the house. It was just a stupid play, you know. And um, so I'm coming in. I'm coming in. He, I run right past me. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't even say nothing to me, you know. And I'm thinking, well, he's got to yell at me, you know. And he never said anything. So hmm. fast forward 10 years, I'm introducing him for our hall of honor at our, our high school mid pacific because he went to mid pacific and they're honoring him like in the hall of fame so my job was to honor him so i meet him at the at the at the um the venue and and i said i gotta ask you um you know remember the time i stole second and riding with <laughs> second and stuff and you never said anything to me even during the whole scene you never said anything like how stupid a play that was and he goes, he goes, yeah, I remember. I said, how come he didn't scold me or anything? And he said, well, remember early in the game, you were on second, and then there was a fly ball to center, and you tagged up, you ran to third. I go, yeah, I tagged up. And then they appealed to second base, right? And he goes, yeah, and he, and, he, and he stole home. And I go, yeah, but you told me to steal home. And, and, he, and he said, well, I figured if you're smart enough to do that, then you're smart enough to know that you screwed up, so why should I tell you? <laughs> And that was one yeah. of the lessons I've learned. I mean, that, that kind of stuff. Like sometimes you know, a smart player messes up. I don't say anything, you know. And I guess you, know, you make them think a little bit. But that was that was one of those things that um, it kind of shaped me too as a coach. <laughs> a lot of things that he'd do. You know? But, again, I was really lucky to um, – I, I really lucky to coach under a lot of uh, great coaches in Hawaii. Yeah. What a what a good lesson too. Like I think all coaches eventually hopefully maybe come to that point of of like a lot of times the kid already knows what he did wrong, right? Yeah. And you know what's to be gained from us stepping in and just yelling at him and and make it cuz a lot of the times it's like, well, I already I know. I I I know I screwed up, <laughs> you know. The kids nowadays they go, "Oh, my bad." You know, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So you played semi-pro and, you know, uh, obviously ended up uh, coaching. Did you, when you were playing, did you know coaching is something that was on the horizon for you? Like when did that transition or when did that decision come along for you? Um, you know what? I was, I always thought I could teach stuff. You know, I had that. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember when I was 12, I was coaching my brother's, my brother's team because I started coaching um high school baseball when i was 20 so like we i was at kalani high school i was a jv coach because remember that that good hitter that i was telling you about that i stole and he was yeah. hitting well he was the coach at the high school but he also was a football coach at another high school where he was teaching so <laughs> the the um, principal at the, the high school where he was coaching football told me and, you know you can't do that you know so you got to pick one. So he picked, you know, that high school. And then I was the JV coach for him. And he said, well, you're going to have to coach them. I said, me? You know, and I was 21, I think it was. <laughs> and and um, I remember one of my advisors, I guess you could call them, my guys I play with, some coaches, older coaches, they, they told me, well, I said, I don't think I'm ready. And then the famous words this one coach told me, Dick Matsuwaka, who his came to frame, he struck out Frank Howard. But anyway, he <laughs> uh, tells me, so when are you going to be ready? 
and said, okay, so I took the job and probably that was, I, I would say that was probably the worst year of my life, you know, and I did things that it would, if, if I was coaching now, I'd be done like right away. And thank goodness that a vice principal and a athletic director that was so understanding and, you know, they helped me out, got me through the tough times. And this is at a public school. So, yeah. And from then, um, I coached 10 years at that high school. And then I was teaching at a private school. And so the private school guys would say, how come you coach over there and you, and you teach here? How come you don't coach, you know, teach here? Something happened, which I won't expand. But I, I ended up switching schools. And I've been here ever since. Like, that's it's like 30 37 years now at the school. Yeah, I saw you floated out there somewhere on the internet that you started coaching there in 1987. Does that sound right? Yeah, wait, yeah, I coached 19, yeah, 86 was my JV year. I, I coached JV. I had a choice yeah, that's right. to coach either JV or, um, or be an assistant on the varsity. I chose to be my own head coach. So <laughs> and that was probably a better, better idea. Yeah, I think it's funny in baseball, a lot of times assistant coaches come around and, you know, as I'm talking to guys or people who want to be an assistant coach and um, maybe we'll need like a JV head coach or something. But there's something that so many people get so, um, I don't know, enamored by the idea of being a varsity coach. Like I want to be a varsity assistant rather than a JV head coach. And it's like, well, you know, do you, do you want to be a head coach someday? Well, yeah, I, you know, probably coaching JV is probably the better answer for you, but there's just something that for a lot of people, it's hard for them to let go of that idea of, of not being one of the varsity people. Um, so I, I kind of took the yeah. same path. I was a, a JV head coach too. And I think it really prepared me a little bit better than probably oh, yes. being an assistant on varsity would have. Well, I'd love to be an assistant coach. Oh yeah, <laughs> you positions and you do the stuff, and you don't have to worry about you know team team dynamics and all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> to some extent, but you're not responsible or so, fundraising. Like, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I like I like coaching. I mean, I like the coaching part. You know, I I really don't care for the other stuff, but you know, this just comes with the job. I mean, I mean, doing um, field work, I've learned how to. Um, clear out sprinklers i've learned how to drain fields um you know uh, sew nets um what do you call um so so uh covers for your batting machines during the, during the pandemic that's all i did <laughs> well that's one of the things that we just talked about off air is that right before we got on this you know asking you what you're gonna do today and you're like well i'm gonna mow because you just had a storm roll through for the last couple of days and you were out there draining the field yesterday. Yeah. Actually, actually about two weeks ago, our lawnmower went down. We have like a, a what do you call that? Toro greens master, like the kind that mm -hmm. you use for the greens and it's like 15 grand. And so it went down. So for three weeks I couldn't do anything. So when it finally came back, I looked at our it was so bad that I took our, my friend has a birdie cutter from Milani. He gives me, he lets me use that. So we already cut it in field and then I cut the grass and it was so much better, you know, but that was like three weeks of not even working on the field, but that's the kind of stuff. I mean, you know, people think, Oh, coach, all you do is that, but you got so much other things to do. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you talked about coaching, like one of the things I I read about you when I was like, you know, trying to learn a little bit of uh, what I could about you, you, this great quote, and I wish I would have wrote the exact quote down, but you were talking about when uh, Bobby Knight came to Hawaii for um, a tournament or something with his teams. And you were quick to be like, Hey, maybe he's not the greatest guy all the time, but you said as a teacher, he's amazing. And you kind of then elaborated on how you, much consider yourself like coaching to be actually really just an art of teaching yeah i was i was so fortunate i knew the um the coach actually i lived at that school iolani the one that does that prep classic and i found out that he was gonna practice at that school iolani and i asked hey can i come and just sit there and watch so he goes yeah just come just come so i I walked in there and i sat down i was watching him and then they were playing University of Hawaii, I think, that time. And they had, when I walked in, I looked at the this, this uh, board. I guess it was a board, but it was kind of like, oh, handwritten. And it was like every UH player on that board, and they had, like, what he go, when he goes to the left, when he goes to the right. You know, I thought it was going to even have when he, were, when he eats breakfast and stuff. I mean, it was so complete. <laughs> and then they practice, and... You know, you know, they talk about how he's... Like, but he didn't swear one time I was there. And he was just telling them, stop, do this, do this. And when they finally started breaking down, they went down to the other side of the gym where no one could see them. And then they run video and stuff. So that's when I left. But it was just... Um, it was just an amazing, you know, time I got to watch him. Because I had some of his videos, too, where he would um, practice videos. And I'd watch him. And he'd get after the... Um, the manager, because the manager is unguarded post player, and he make a bad pass, and he get all over the manager. You know, it was so funny. I know, just attention to detail. So, what is Mid Pacific Institute like? I mean, for, I mean, we'll have people listening that have no idea like how Hawaii is is constructed. The fact okay. that there's different islands, you, you know. So, can you just give for people who who are listening who have like no idea about anything about Mid Pacific Institute, like just give them kind of a rundown of it. Uh, we're a private school, a private school right adjacent to the university. In fact, if you drive up to Mono Valley, you can see our baseball field right there. That's what everybody tells me. They say, oh, they see you working on the field, or they see you. <laughs> and a couple of times, guys, my friends, would, they see me working on the field. They'd stop. They'd go into school and then come and walk and talk story with me at the field. It happened a couple of times this year already. <laughs> and it's, oh, I saw you working on the field, so they came over and talked story. But it's – um. It used to have, it was only um, 7 to 12 before, and about, I want to say about 10, 15 years ago, and it was dorm. It was a dorm school, and they, I guess they um, got rid of the dorm and put an elementary school. We kind of um, adopted an elementary school, and now it's um, K to 12. So it's about, I'd say about 1,500 students altogether. No, maybe not that much. Maybe a thousand, I think, thousand. Yeah. And you taught math there, is that right? You recently just, yeah. just coached Basically, now? Yeah, pre-algebra, math, probably more, you know, seventh grade, you kind of more an entertainer. You try to entertain them instead of teach, mm-hmm. you know, because their attention span is so short. That, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You tell them a story and then you teach and then they don't even know they got taught. So. <laughs> That's cool stuff. We have uh, our our softball coach at our school. Uh-huh. Um, he's retired, and so uh, now, much like you all, he 
all he does, you know, at the school is just, is just coach now. And, you know, I'll, I'll be teaching and I'll head down, you know, during lunch or something. He's already out on his field at, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, yeah. uh, <laughs> raking it and putting lines down. I was like, wow, now that's, okay, that's gotta be kind of a cool thing. Did you find transitioning from being a, a teacher and a coach kind of what was the transition like from doing that full time to all of a sudden now it's like, I, I just have to coach now. Um, it's more like, Time, not well. I guess you could say time management. I mean, now I got plenty of time. So, well, as soon as I retired, we had that pandemic, so <laughs> we didn't right. have a season. <clears throat> so, so what happened? I started looking at things and stuff, and we have like we have seven, eight jugs based pitching machines. Well, at that time, we only had six, and so all the covers were all just tattered and frayed and stuff. So I got my fishing line and I started sewing them all up and then the lot, the field, I started fixing it. And you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff like fixing screens and stuff like that. I mean, and then after a while I get kind of tired of that. So I just decided to get up in the morning. Okay. I'm going to fish today or, Oh, we got softball <laughs> or I'm going to go golf today. So, I mean, it, it's a kind of a neat thing. You wake up, like a lot of people that retire don't really have stuff to do. They got, like some guys yeah. even go back to work. So I get up and I go, okay, I, maybe I'll wash clothes today. Or maybe I'll do this. Uh, but I have to do this today. Or, you know, it was, it's, it's pretty neat. So, yeah, it, it's just a great, it's great. If you have something to do. If you don't have something to do, it gets boring, I guess. <laughs> I bet. Well, baseball keeps things fun. And like you said, you know, you have the, the network of people that that come and talk to you and obviously the clinics and Kai and, and things we've talked about as well. Um, one thing I, I kind of want to get into, you know, baseball stuff with you because I think obviously you've been doing it for a long time over there and um, kind of have a wealth of, of knowledge and experiences and have learned from some pretty cool people. Um and one of the one of the big things I really wanted to talk to you about was um, kind of more the mental side of things. I know infield work and defensive work is something you're you're really deep into. And when I was kind of reading about you and about some of the defensive stuff you did, you had like an interview. I can't remember who it was with, but um, you were talking about defensive work. But like all the all the comments you made, all the quotes that were in there from you, like all became like mental practice stuff. Um, like talking about things of like watching the hops and understanding, being able to count hops and understand make, going in a line, understanding like when you make an error, like the ability to turn around and kind of clear your head and turn back. And now we're in a new space. It, it just it was just really fascinating to me the way you talked about an approach infield play. Um. Yeah. And all that stuff was I, I always this word and anecdotally. You know, and it's stuff that I, I did and I and I had to figure out what I'm doing. And that's where Kai Correa comes in because everything mm-hmm. that I did anecdotally, I'd run it past him. And and he already had like quantitatively done that. Like, for for instance, <laughs> like building the hands, he goes positive, three positive right beforehand, right at you and backhand. Yeah. And then he has negatives where you come, the ball comes to you, right? Use your hands that way. And I did that, um, you know, and I, you know, I did that without having labels on them and he labeled it. So now it's easy for me to teach that. <laughs> um, this other thing we came up with was um, like, I went out 
Like I, I can't very well move too much now. In fact, it's I'm horrible, but my mind can still move. Yeah. So I went out there one day and I wanted to know, I wanted to see what I do. And so I asked, I always tell the kids, get their hands out early, get their hands out early. And so they get their hands out early, but that wasn't happening. It, it wasn't what I wanted. So then I went out on the field and I, I played third base my whole life. So I told, I told the guy, just fungal the ball. Let me just hit it. And it hit hard. I, I can catch it. It's, I just can't move. So they hit it, hit it, hit it. And I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. What am I doing? What am I doing? Then I came up with this. Um, we call it, Well, I looked up all the superheroes. And there's Plastic Man. There's Elastic <laughs> Woman. Yeah. But there's no Elastic Man. So I said, okay, it's going to be Elastic Man. And they go, so I just I brought the kids over. I said, okay, if you had arms that could be as elastic as you wanted, where would you, where would you put your hands when the ball is hit? And so they told me, oh, like maybe like 20 feet in front or 10 feet or 15 feet. I go, no, no, no. You put your hands right where the ball is being hit. Because you're elastic, man. You can make it as long as you like. So you put it right there where he's, where he's hitting. And so when the ball hits, you just bring your hands back till you can feel it. You know, and they they went, oh, okay. So anyway, I said, okay, just just think of that. And I went out, and we didn't take any ground balls except I just told them that. And then we went on the side, and we hit, hit ground balls. So there are like four of them. And I hit like three ground balls each. And they, they feel them perfect. And then one kid, the comment was, oh, coach, oh, the ball looks slow. I go, I go and that's like an epiphany, right? <laughs> wow. You know, that's, that's great. But then. You know, kids, you got to keep reminding them. So then I got a second group of kids, and there were like three of them, and I hit four ground balls soon, and they did the same thing. You know, and they feel it good. And and these are kids that some of them are not very good, but they look better. So so we use that once in a while. But, but another way to do the same thing is to have them count hops, like, like mm-hmm. verbally count it. Like as soon as you hit the ball, they count. So now they're forced to look at that first bounce, you know, and then they count. And so it was so funny. They go, Coach, so what happens when the thing rolls on the ground? And I go, you go, one, two, three. That's it, you know. <laughs> so, I mean. That's hilarious. I, I, huh? Yeah. I was just going to say, I've seen, you know, Kai talk about um, types of hops before. And that was a big one for me of, like, the ability to to – talk through that with players and help them understand that you know when for a lot of us like like you were saying it's kind of hard to explain what you do because you just kind of do it you know what I mean like when you when you feel really natural at something you just you just do it and I think that's why sometimes really good baseball players have a hard time maybe coaching I always think of like Barry Bonds when he became a hitting coach like he didn't last very long and you're like well maybe it's because he was just so he just couldn't quite it's hard to translate it. And uh, so anyway, so when I had seen Kai, you know, years ago, putting stuff out on different types of hops and snakes and slow roller, and, you know, uh, it was like, oh, wow. Like, okay, so now I have something to talk about with players. And then, the, you know, the next natural step is like, okay, well, how's a player actually going to use this? And so when you're talking about like verbally counting the hops, and I, I'd read that before, I really liked that because it, 
it if it, it creates like intentional focus from from teenagers and it's hard for everybody to focus there's so many things we could do instead but um like you said like kids forget really quickly and so yeah. i love that it creates that like intentional like i'm going to pay attention to every hop this ball is making and then all of a sudden like i'm seeing things maybe i didn't see before noticing the ball moving in ways i didn't notice before and how i react to it yeah another thing that we did with counting the hops was we actually spotted the balls like the kids would stand on the side and I hit a ball and they'd put the um, cage balls where the ball bounced. And then mm. they have, and then the, the fielder would, I put an X where they start. And then, um, and we just tell them, oh, you could have got that bounce. You could have got that hop. And then actually I show, I show a, um, I, I draw on the ground, three humps on the ground. Cause two humps is not, is a little vulgar. So we made three hops and then we, and they represent the hops, yeah? So where do you want to catch the ball? So when it's coming down or coming down and then the short hop. So from that point on the on the drawing, it would be down and the short hop. So you got about half the the that hump that you, that you drew on the ground. And he said, well, you try to catch that hop all the time. And it doesn't matter whether you get in fielding position or you go one-handed, but the key is to catch the ball. Because I've seen so many people or kids, they get into a fielding position, but their hop mm. is like about a foot in front of them. So they get whacked. They get in between hops. <laughs> you know, when they should uh -huh. just have stuck their glove out and would have caught it. You know, and so, you know, those are the things that we really stress on on our kids. And um, with Kai, this past Friday, had one of those in between ones. Like, you could field it in fielding position or you could scoop it one-handed. And those are like, he called it 50-50 balls. And then you just feel it the way you feel most comfortable. And I thought that was pretty neat because you can't, some guys will feel on the same ball, different player would field it one hand. The other one would, you know, come, you know, field it with a negative um, glove action. So it was pretty neat just to listen to him um, talk about stuff. You know, and, and it's so funny. I told him, hey, Kai, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you in the backhand. I think you got to come give it the ball a little bit. He goes, oh, yeah, you can do that too. He goes like that. It's like, <laughs> okay. and, then, and then he was talking about at, at his um, clinician where he was talking. He said, a lot of times there's more ways to do it than one. You don't, you don't lock yourself into one set way, you know, like, oh, you have to do this or you have to do this. So, you know, there's many ways, you know, a lot of ways to skin a cat, I guess they say, right? So it, it was pretty interesting and in you know informative just listening to him i mean i i just whenever i can talk to him i i, I get on and talk to him well, i love that comment of like that you could do it that way too because that's because one of the one of the more frustrating and beautiful things i think about baseball and a lot of sports too but baseball for us is that like I, I could find video, we could find video of any, you know, major league baseball player fielding a ball in any possible way imaginable. Right. And so at, at some point I, I love that of that. Yeah. You could, you could do it that way too. And like you were to your credit saying that, yeah, eventually, I mean, it's, it's about catching the ball. Like at, at the core of it, it's a really simple concept and, and what works works. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just a matter of putting yourself in those positions as best you can. Yeah. I, I kind of use that Pokemon thing, catch them all. You know, Pokemon, mm, yeah. those things. Yeah, uh -huh. you get them all. I mean, that's even in practice, we talk about developing habits, good habits, you know, and, um, 
you know, and that that's kind of important, like the habits, like, you know, coming to practice and all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of the kids, they want to play college baseball, and I tell them, you know, what we're doing here, and I get on your case and stuff, that's like not even 10% of what you're going to get in college. You know, you're going to have to really want to play and really work hard at it. And, and the only way to do that is you got to develop good habits. So we talk about, you know, getting good habits, trying to teach them good habits, you know. And um, and even even the other day, I think, um, one of the kids, he always posts, you know, him hitting, you know, because he's a junior and he wants to get um, – I guess scouted by the college guys and and you know we we're cleaning up the field yesterday so we we're draining the water out i go how come you don't take a picture of you doing this like draining the field <laughs> coaches would think hey wow this kid's okay you know we have we have a kid playing with the um new york mets he's double a and yeah he played at pepperdine for three years he went into cape cod league he made all-star you know he was an all-star in the cape cod league and he got drafted in 15 round by the mets and so we're, he came back to work out, and it's a pleasure to work out with this kid. This kid's white young. And so when he was at Midpack, before they put all these restrictions, you know, I'd walk my dog at 4 o'clock in the morning around campus, and he, with his dad, he'd come in our weight room and work out at 4 in the morning. You know, and I was like, hmm. why, the, the guards are telling me, hey, White's in the ah, it's fine. Okay. And so anyway, <laughs> um, I asked him, I go, you know, you went to Pepperdine. How the hell you got to go to Pepperdine? You know, and he said, well, I went to their camp and um, you know, I did pretty good fielding and I did pretty good hitting. And and I go, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I, I, even if you went to the camp, you're like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, they wouldn't take you, <laughs> you know? And he goes, so I, so I just, just matter of fact, so what time did you go to the camp? He goes, oh, a little bit early. The guy was uh, sweeping the dugouts. So I went over there and asked him, um, you need any help? And I go, was there anybody else at the camp, any other campers? He goes, oh, no. I was the first guy. Good. That's why you made the team. You know, and, and kids nowadays, they don't understand those kind of things. You know, like, you got to separate yourself. And that's why I told the kid, hey, take a video of yourself cleaning up the place. You know, because that's what's important a lot of times. You know, that might separate you. You work hard, but then. You're a good teammate, and that's kind of important. I think nowadays in in all sports, I think. It reminds me of the the trend that came up on social media last couple of years of trying to make sure you leave, uh, you know, a, a dugout that's cleaner than when you arrived when you're playing oh. at away games. And uh, I'd seen you before talk about. Um, uh, when when some Jap- uh, Japanese players visited and the way they yeah. um, like just set their bags down in order and just like all these different small things, but those small things can help kind of tell you what kind of a person somebody is. Oh, and, and Japan is is totally. And when I saw that, I had to take a picture of it. I mean, and <laughs> um, so I talked to the coach, and they won in 2013. They won the spring tournament. And they came in, they made it to Koshien, which is a summer term, which is a big tournament. And, um, you know, they, they, they just, they, they came in third or something. I forget what it was. But, you know, in Japan, is a little different. And, you know, I did some research and stuff. They play two tournaments. And that's all they do all year. They don't have leagues. They play tournaments. So, and they, they I guess the prefecture, they're like 48 prefectures or something. And so that's like states. So they play single elimination tournament. 
And then from there, they go to the national tour, which is in Osaka, Koshien. And so if you lose the first game, the season's done. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so the, the, I guess the winners play maybe like 15 games, 16 games or something. And they have like only 15 players or 16 players on the team, you know, and that's it. I know I visited a, um, when I went to coach um, our Hawaii All-Stars to Jap- go to Japan and play their All-Stars, I asked if I could visit a, a practice. So they took me up in uh, Kagoshima in the south. And we went and watched the practice. There are like 80 guys on the field. And so I'm watching their practice, and they're like three deep at every position. And talk about focus. There's a, I think there were like two coaches. So it can picture this now you got this whole field and actually when we we're driving to the field i was going where where are we going because we're going in the mountains you know like where is this place and if you ever been to hawaii in hanuma bay have you ever been there in hanuma bay in hawaii have you been there? i haven't i went to hawaii when i was in sixth grade and we went oh. to the the big island yeah oh, okay. so I haven't been well, anyway hanuma bay is like i guess it was a it's a crater like yeah so hmm. it's one of the tourist tourist places but anyway this place we drove up in the mountain and they stopped said, okay we're here and i looked around like where are we there's no field around here and so we walked <laughs> down into this look basically like a crater and there's it's all dirt field and there's a whole bunch of guys practicing so we go down there i had myself my assistant coach and then had a newspaper reporter who was kind of like the interpreter you know so we go down there and then we walk down and then the practice stops and they all bow to us. So I turned around, I looked if there was like a king or queen behind us, you know, but they, 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 you know, welcomed us. And then, so they just let me walk around. So I'm walking around the baseball field. They're taking batting practice. They have like three guys hitting and like three deep in every position. So I walk behind the outfielders and, you know, if you, if you're like in Hawaii, if a coach is walking around the, the guys would look at you, right? The, outfielders right mm-hmm. in the outfield i never got any looks from the first and second guy in line the third guy just turned his head a little bit and, and turned back i mean they didn't even acknowledge i was there and then on the right side they had three mounds catches in full gear guys throwing pitches in and out in and out no coaches and in left field behind there was like a whole bunch of guys just exercising and I mean, I was just amazed. I walked around the whole field and came back. And, and then the whole field is dirt now. I can imagine a baseball field all dirt. And so <laughs> asked, and stupidly I asked, oh, uh, where, where's your cart? And the, and the coach looked at me and, he, and he, he said something in Japanese and he pointed at the um, rakes. There are like 70 rakes on the side, wooden rakes. <laughs> And then, and then the guy, the interpreter said, oh, we're not lazy. And he just pointed yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the rest of us are dragging our fields, you know, just the, the infield skin, just a little bit of dirt with carts. Yeah. And then so I asked him, when do, what, what time, you know, when do they practice? He said, oh, we practice from 6 o'clock in the morning to 9. And then they go to school and they work from 3 o'clock to, I think, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night. And I was thinking, how do they practice at night? Because they had, like... Little softball lights, maybe at the at the best. I mean, you know, I was looking around for the big lights, but there's only like softball lights. So, you know, and they were one of the better teams, though. 
they represented um I think they represented Jap that that prefecture in the the national tournament a couple times. So, but it it was it was a great experience to see that type of discipline. You know. Well, that's one of the things you know. Some people may already know this that um, Isaiah Kiner Falefa from the the Yankees, a, a Gold Glove winning shortstop, uh, played baseball for you and. and oh, yeah. He was asked a while back about like what that was like and maybe what he learned from you. And he, he basically listed three things, right? He said um, technique, character, and, and discipline. And so as I'm hearing you talk about watching, you know, the Japanese teams and then kind of talking about your own teams, like the discipline part, um, it kind of really comes out. And it's it's like, you know, the, the discipline to stay focused is what allows a huge team like you were just talking about to be able to do all those things you were talking about where, you know, for us, a lot of things we think of like, well, how how could we have enough coaches to possibly manage all these different things happening? And yet here's a team that's doing it, you know, almost entirely self-run. Yeah, that was that was amazing to me, that, that part, you know. And if, if you have, a, I think the key is to have a good leader, you know, so... um like I was telling people that when we won our state championship in 1990, 91, we had a, we had a great leader, group of leaders, you know, and um, it was one of those things where I could put the practice plan up and I could have gone home because I knew the thing would be done. <laughs> <laughs> That's you guys a have won a handful of state titles. What was that? What was that first one like for you back in, back in 1990? Okay. So we were, we were, um, I remember we were tied. Well, we actually were one game ahead in our league it, with one to play. And our ace pitcher, who went 11-0 that year, small little guy, <laughs> he um, he pitched Saturday. We won. So we're a game ahead of Iolani. And we played Iolani on Tuesday. So my thing, like, before we didn't have pitch count stuff, you know, and sure. he could pitch every day. But uh, I said, well, I'm not going to use him here, you know. And so we end up getting blown 10-0, I think. And so we had to play off for the championship at, at the Aloha Stadium on a Thursday. And so, um, and after the game, he, it's, I was kind of hemming and hawing. And he says, Coach, Thursday, don't worry, I get him. That's that's what he told me. Actually, he used a little bit more vulgar yeah. words, but I can't say that's it. That's true. But <laughs> I got him, you know. So anyway. We, we play and a crucial time in the game, I think it was like three to one and they had the bases loaded and nobody out. The two, three, four batters are up. You got to pop out, try on and fly out. And we got out of inning, you know, and then we ended up winning five to one. And then we play in a state tournament. And I remember now our school, like when I first got there, I think we had won three games in the previous two years. So, the first year, I think in 87, we were 11 and 10, you know, and, you know, it was great. And nobody knew where our school was and stuff. I remember that. And nobody knew where Mid-Pacific was and stuff. And um, the following year, I think, I think the first year we Legion, we won the Legion. And that was a, a total trip, you know, won the American Legion. And we went to play in the, what do you call the, um, regionals in new mexico yeah. but anyway so we go to the field right and now the school is all behind us i mean and nobody knew about us so we're like you know like the little engine that could kind of the little train that could 
And so we played our first game, and we played Pearl City, and we and that kid Hara, he makes a play first and second, no outs. He makes a great play, throws the guy out at third, you know, and then we got in. We end up winning three to two, I think, in the first game. Then we beat Kauai twelve to four, and then the championship game we play Waianae, which had um, this pitcher quarterback six foot four. 250 pounds. He was like 10 and 0, you know, 90 miles an hour fastball and stuff. So it was like David against Goliath kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we win 16 to 3, you know. Jeez. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, <laughs> that was kind of neat. I mean, never happened before. <laughs> you know, I never, I coached at the private public school earlier, Kalani High School, and I never even came close. Never, never got into the state tournament. And so, you know that was that was something else. I mean, you know, it was, and then we ended up winning the next two years too. Yeah, pretty crazy. And we should have actually we had That's... our best team the third, the fourth year though, <laughs> but we lost in the semifinal. Really? Yeah. That's what's so bizarre about baseball. I feel like it happens a lot up here. Uh, yeah. Well, probably everywhere in the country, but I know in Oregon, a lot of times you get to the you know the state championship game, and yeah. a lot of times it feels like wow the the team that we all thought was the best team and that we could probably all agree is the best team. They're not even playing today. Like it's just one of the crazy bizarre and and yet like beautiful and amazing things about baseball. Yeah. I've, I've, I think, well, I played 11 state championship games. I lost six. We lost a couple that we should have won and we won a couple that we should have lost. So, you know, one game we were up uh, eight to two in the seventh, sixth inning and we lost nine, eight. And I found, Hmm. How important your voice is because I had laryngitis. I couldn't talk. And mm-hmm. that was probably that was probably one of the worst losses I think you could have. You know, in a state championship game up eight to two. And mm-hmm. but I think I think the fishing gods felt so sorry for me because that was two thousand and one. That that year I caught two bonefish that were like nine and a half pounds and eight and a quarter <laughs> in back to back calf. And 10, 10 <laughs> days later, I caught this 21-pound um, jack, which is in, in the Hawaii. It's called ulua. That's like one of the prize fish. And, <laughs> you know, in, in the 10-day span, I caught those three fish. So I guess the fishing gods felt sorry for me. <laughs> yeah, they must have. Yeah. Wanted to get your voice back and, and get some oh, fish. Yeah. You know, You've lost. I, that, oh, that's, go for it. Yeah, that's the worst thing to lose your voice. Oh, my gosh. I haven't ever lost it during games or anything like that, but I remember a, a few years ago, um, I, same thing, got sick or whatever, and and like real, like yeah, I had really lost my voice. I couldn't speak, so I had to. We, we was just we were just practicing, and uh, I mean, even just practice was so difficult because, like, I have things that <laughs> I want to say something right now, but you you really can't. So you're just like trying to. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. I can't even imagine. Uh, trying to catch a game like that let alone a state championship game yeah you cannot control the emotions of the kids because you cannot divert with your voice you can do a whole bunch of stuff and so Mm -hmm. yeah it it was that's that's the only time in my whole life i think and i've coached with um you know i've coached one year with a cast on from my hip all the way down to my ankle because I had, you know, that Joe Theismann thing? Remember Joe Theismann got, we broke yeah. his leg? I had that. I broke a double, broke up a double play and my just, my, my tibia and my um, tibia just broke. 
So I was in a cast for like nine months, but I had to coach. So I asked my sensei, you know, the guy that was a University of Houston guy, I said, hey, how do you do this? You know, because he said, well, in pro ball, again, there's one of the Yoda things, right? He goes, well, you know, we don't have to relay signs and stuff because we live with each other so much that we know what the other guy's thinking. So, so even though the base coach is out there, he already knew what the other coach was thinking. So he just give out signs that way. But that was one of those <laughs> things. I had to learn how to do that. I, actually, I was able to hit fungal with the cast on. Really? I got I got That's pretty good. good at flipping the balls up. You know, when they throw it one hop back to you, I could flip it up pretty good. And to this day, I still can do that. That was one of the benefits, I guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've, I've seen, like, guys do, like, the one-handed fungal and stuff before, but I've never really seen it on one leg. Um, man, so you – so – so you've lost six state championship games. That's cool to be able to be in that many, first of all. Yeah. But I think there's probably a lesson in there somewhere outside of the laryngitis here. Um, having lost those big games. I, what... I, yeah, I probably remember the losses more than the wins. In fact, I remember when I was coaching at the public school, Kalani High School. To this day, I still remember the the. Uh, OIAE, so OIA is Oahu and Scholastic. That's the public schools. I still remember the game we lost to Kaiser, you know, and that was we had a four, we had a four-way tie for first. So my brother was playing for Roosevelt, the other public school, and um, I remember the last inning. We we're down five to three, and that those times we played nine innings. And to this day, I remember the everything that happened in that last inning. Um, the pitcher was Dave Nakama, who's the one of the assistant coaches at uh, UH now University of Hawaii, and um, we were had the base had had nobody on, two outs, zero two count on the ninth batter who struck out more than half the times in the season, and the count was zero two, so basically no chance, you know. And we're down, I think it was five to three, and. Um, I have never seen a batter not want to strike out. You know, I, I mean, I can still see him right now. I mean, he finally fought off ball, fought off, finally dribbled the ball down third base. It looked like a swing bunt, and he gets on first. Our leadoff guy comes up, he he walks. Our second batter comes up, hits it in the hole, too short, no play. So base is loaded now. And we're playing at this band box of a field, and the third batter on our team, he already hit two home runs. Okay, so right field. In right field, there was a track that ran around the field. And so the count was three one. That's the year I was in I was in a, a cast. So I'm sitting in a wheelchair. I'm in a wheelchair in the dugout. And then the coach looks at me and he says, What? Three and one? I go, make him hit, hit. So he hits the ball. To this day, I see the ball going to right field and it's drilled. I mean, the right fielder runs back. He steps down on the track. There's a step down right on the track, right? He stumbles and he catches the ball on his chest. He doesn't use his glove. He catches the ball on his chest and we lose the game. And fast forward, that guy's son played for me at our school. So when I saw him, you know, in one of those parent things, I go, hey, you're the guy that caught the ball. He's kind of amazed that I remember <laughs> him catching the ball. But <laughs> yeah, so that was, that, was, that was one of those things. I mean, and then we had one game where we had. Um, was the state championship game in the third, 1992. And we had run on second base. And we're the home team. And it was at um, Rainbow Stadium. And 
the runner was on second, and I had a ground ball to the second baseman, and I even, the runner was coming to third, and I just, hey, hold up, hold up. And, and the, for some reason, the infield threw the ball in our dugout, so the tying run scores. He goes to second base, and our guy walks off, walks it off with a double to right center. We win the game. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it was so funny because my friend was the um, announcer, so he was in the other guy's dugout already, you know, trying going to interview everybody because on TV. And so he was on the third base dugout, and, you know, it, it was just crazy. You know, people are just jumping. I mean, you can tell, you know, when you're going to lose and stuff. So I'm just soaking all this stuff in. I'm down the le- right field line just – I'm just standing there, and he comes over, and he goes, "Hey, how does it feel, you know, with you know, winning this, winning this game the way you wanted? And what, what do you want to say to all your the Mid Pacific fans and stuff? And I, uh, you have anything to say?" And he's just, you know, beaming and stuff. I go, uh, uh, "No." And he's kind of <laughs> and to this day, he rags me about that. It's like thirty years ago, and he still rags, rags me about that. Like, "Hey, remember that time?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know." Like, I was just like just overwhelmed with that, that that you know that excitement and stuff. So I just didn't have anything to say, you know. But that was one of the neater things. Yeah. But if you ever win yeah, a state championship, uh, that is unbelievable. A feeling if you can bottle it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say we've um, my second and third year uh, as the head coach here at South Salem, we made it to the semifinals and oh. uh, both times we were on the road and both times game was tied at the end of seven. So we went to extra innings oh. and both times uh, in the, we ended up losing on a walk-off uh, ground ball uh, single uh, oh. three to two in the bottom of the eighth inning, both years. It's just like, Oh man, it's just, it's so bizarre because you, you immediately start thinking of like, man, all the work and time and the players and how much you yeah. just think of like all oh, the off season training they did yeah. and just everything they did and all of it. And we get there and it's like, Oh, and it's over. And you're just like, Oh my gosh. It's just, um, every year is such a journey and such a path. And you know, it doesn't winning the state championship, of course, doesn't dictate whether it was successful or not, but man, it, you, you want to win it, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, it, that, but that's better to lose the semis than it is to lose the finals. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was, I was, I know, I was happy about that because I'm like, well, at least, you know, at least we didn't make it to the championship and then lose. And, and like you said, you've done it, you've done it six times. That's that's got to be hard. Yeah, it's like I just sit there. And, oh, and, and we've um, played Legion, right? So we've won yeah, the yeah. Legion four times, the state championship. But we lost seven times. But in Legion, we take our high school team that's coming back for the following year. And then there's a couple teams that are just have graduates and college guys playing. So, you know, we, we kind of like play up. And, you know, and sometimes when we win, it's it's so good. But we've lost seven times. So <laughs> so I'm not like Joe Montana Man. who's never lost. So <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That, well, that's okay, though, too. But I think it kind of helps speak to um, – well, you, you know, you started when we when we first went back and I asked, you know, like what was high school like for you? And you mentioned all these like legends like Pop Eldridge and so forth. And wow. um, the I, I played baseball at Pacific University up in, in Oregon here. Oh, and, uh, lot, big, big Pacific Islanders population, a lot of a lot of Hawaiian guys on our baseball team. And uh, man, I it, it just the, the richness of baseball in Hawaii is amazing because from the outside, 
when you know we look at a map and we're like man it's small it's so far away and yet you have all these guys who go on to be just like phenomenal college and even you know professional baseball players and just like the richness of baseball in Hawaii is amazing because you know, like I said when you look at it like how how is this possible that all these amazing players can be coming from such a small place you know that's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean like so far away from us it's amazing yeah that, that um like there's always leagues going on i mean there's like even like i play softball now with, a, with this 14 inch ball and you know it's, it's very competitive you know but it's just that the whole thing and then it helps when the uh world the literally world series guys win you know i got to talk story with the coach the last couple of days you know um, mm-hmm. as he came to the clinics and at, at Kai Correa's one, he was with me the whole time. So we were talking stories at a good time. I mean, those are things that I really enjoy. You know, and, and that's kind of like, you know, when you played, you always hang out with the guys after. That part I missed not playing. Yeah. But the coaching thing is kind of that, that way too now. So, Yeah, I think yeah, I, I saw somewhere, maybe this is a lie, but I saw that you like played semi-pro kind of baseball up all the way up until 1995 is that true that you you kept yeah. playing baseball that, all that time for decades yeah. and then no but we used to play you know before they used to have the fall league the uh fall league mm-hmm. so um we used to play at the uh stadium like uh had two teams the green and the white and we had we had our semi-pro well a, a group of semi-pro guys that we played a uh team and stuff so that was kind of neat too you know playing against these um guys and there were like six teams i think and then we we're our team was the last team to win the um that league before they closed it down i think about 95 96 i think when the ncaa did all kinds of restrictions on number of games it could play but that was fun yeah, I bet. I one of my uh college baseball players' dads um still plays baseball, you know, well into his 50s and it's just it, it I think for for the coaching aspect of it like you talked about, I think it's pretty cool because it gives you this like hey, I can still I can go to third base and get down. I can still feel the ground ball, right? And it's just like this it, it kind of makes it um I think cool for players to be able to see Maybe you can't move as well, like you talked about. You know, things change obviously physically, but um, I think it, it brings this extra layer uh, when players see you and be like, "Oh, my coach can still field the ground ball." That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm almost seventy, so I, I I cannot. I can throw and catch and stuff like that, but I hate fungal. But yeah, but you know, moving—that's the thing I can't do. So right, yeah. I don't know. I when you when you kind of think back, you know, reflecting on all these years, and obviously you have plenty left of, of coaching ahead of you now. Um, you get to you get to fish in the morning and then go coach in the afternoon. That's a pretty good deal. You kind of think through it, like, well, sure, but <laughs> everyone's still out, right? Um, when you kind of think through it um, and reflect around it, like, what do you think is the importance of high school sports, or maybe maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe what's the what's the purpose of high school sports in in like today's world? Uh, today is, it's a, what do you call ways to means or whatever? Like, you know, they can get free education, you know? Um, yeah, it's outlet for some of them, but now it's becoming, you know, more intense with all the travel ball and stuff. I think the, um, the pandemic really, 
really um accelerated that yeah that, that focus on the um the the travel ball guys you know all these tournaments the showcases and stuff like we've never had that many before so i mean in a way it's good but what what gets lost a lot of times and i tell our players that guys you gotta come back and work out during the summer like we work out every day during the summer our, our program anyway and it's kind of like like eight o'clock to nine o'clock we work defense in field and ten o'clock to you know, one hour or so we work on the outfield and pitchers cast do their own thing and then we hit in our cages and um, you know, so you know, we constantly working and getting the kids better. It's not like they, they there's no place for them to go during the summer, but a lot of them choose to um, do travel ball and they stay away the whole summer. I mean, that must cost them men. So <laughs> yeah, this but this past year um, with our assistant coach, he he initiated it, our um, JV coach initiated that we should at least take a trip with our program to, the, um, I guess, the mainland, we call it, and then, um, you know, practice for the coaches and then go in a tournament. So this past year, we um, went to Thousand Oaks because one of our players was on the national championship team at Cal Lutheran. So he had a lot of connections up there. So we practiced at Kalu one day and had I think about five or six coaches came and watched us practice we just did a regular practice and then we played um a team up there a high school team JV and Varsity and then we played a scout team JV Varsity on Sunday and then we came down to Southern Cal we played in the firecracker tournament so that was that was a really good trip the only problem was that myself and our my um assistant coach we got COVID so we didn't we didn't coach the game oh, no. Sunday to Thursday, <laughs> but I did. I, I was able to watch Forged and Fire a lot, so I, I learned a lot about making knives and <laughs> knives and hatchets and stuff. <laughs> That's something. Did you catch any uh, big fish after getting COVID, like you did with laryngitis? Nope, I only caught like, like <laughs> three bonefish. That's about it. That doesn't count. Dang it. I, didn't, I didn't lose anything, you know. But I did miss. <laughs> I did miss a ramen special that we had. One of the um, our alumni has a ramen shop in Beverly Hills, and I missed mm. that. And then um, one of our parents uh, rented out a box at Angel Stadium. We we didn't go, we didn't do that because I was still in Thousand Oaks. So we went to watch Isaiah play um, in L.A. So that's the first thing I said. We're gonna go to that ramen place, and then we watched two games. At, at Angel Stadium, and that that was another thing too. I when we're at Angel Stadium, I guess I'm pretty lucky, you know, because I'm sitting there and we got Isaiah's tickets, right? So we're watching the game. The second night, we're watching the game, and and then the guys are. We had about fifteen in our, our party, you know, some of our coaches and some of the teachers were there, and then one of the guys goes, "Hey, Aaron Judge's um, hitting coach is right in front of you." So. I, I I start talking to him, and I don't even watch the game. We talked, we talked from the second inning to about the ninth. And the only time he turned on was when he had to video Aaron Judge. You know that um the guy teacher man hitting. He does teacher man hitting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I talked to him for the whole time, and then it was one of our coaches uh 
what do you call it, birthday. So he happened to be in the same hotel. So we got back. We were in the lobby, you know, celebrating my, one of our coaches. We had cake and stuff. So we invited him over and had cake with us, and we talked stories some more. And, and it was just a different viewpoint about hitting, you know. And it was sure. so neat. So I just yeah, it's cool. That's one of the cool things about baseball. Like we talked about, is all those all those cool conversations you get to have that aren't part of any like formal environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must have been asking the right questions because you know he talked to me the whole time. You know he did. He (laughs) he even demonstrated, and he's like my age, so he he was demonstrating. And we're on the fourth fourth level, and he's on the front row, right? So he's turning around and he's showing me, you know, the moves and stuff. And one of our one of our um, other teachers said, oh, I'm so scared he's going to fall over the edge. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Yeah. But that it was an exciting it, part of the trip. It was so nice. I mean, like, oh, he's so engaging. And, you know, it was just so great to just hear. And then, you know, it, it was just a good – and I, I took some stuff from it, you know. And there's some things I, you know, I, I we already do and stuff. So it kind of reaffirmed what we're doing and – you know, there's a different spin on, on other things, like teaching the same thing, but different, you know, different way. So that was, it was really good. And and that's what I've, I'm finding out a lot is, you know, different ways to say the same thing. And and for some kids, it might work. And for some, it might not work. So you have to do another way. And you got to find a way somehow to get it to work with each kid. Yeah, it goes back again to that idea of of there's there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, right? And uh, you know whatever works kind of works. I I don't want to go too long with you. I think we could talk for a long time, but I, I do want to um, just give you the mic, you know, one more time. And I don't know if there's anything we missed, anything you 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 thought we'd get to that we didn't, or anything you wanted to you know take pride in and share about MPI or I don't know anything that you want to do. Just just kind of kind of hear you one more time. No, not really. I mean, this is fun. I just talk story is good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. If you have anything, then because I, I I can talk about anything. I guess I know one thing though. When I was when I started coaching, I wanted to be able to fix fast, like fixing something fast. Like my brother used to help help me coach and stuff, but he he'd go like, "Oh, why don't you try this?" But I wanted to be where I say, "Do this," you know, and I I figure out how to fix the guy right away and then i because we got so many kids right so you kind of you just tell me do this and then let him alone and then come back and let me check later on that kind of things and so now i have a bigger war chest of like do this type of drills and stuff so um that's that's what i wanted to do be able to be able to fix kids or help them out but one of the biggest challenges is when the kids have yips or throwing problems and so mm-hmm. i had I had a knee injury and then I came back too quick and I was kind of like the bird Fidrich where he's kind of messed up the arm, you know, but I was able to um, overcome that and, you know, just by looking in the mirror and stuff and working with those kind of things um, to teach myself again. And that really helps me now when I work with kids on their throwing because throwing is the hardest thing to, to fix, you know, so we got a lot of mirrors. We actually put up two more mirrors at our facility so the kids can look at themselves this it's more direct feedback as opposed to um you know taking video because video is kind of delayed yeah but if you look at yourself in a mirror you can um get it right away like for instance we had a you know you always tell the kids like don't throw low elbow yeah you know the elbow's low and stuff and so that was one of my epiphanies you know where i tell the kid hey 
you throw a little elbow at it, and you think that he's not really listening to you, right? So we went, we're in the weight room, and I said, look, look at yourself in a mirror. And he, and he started throwing, and he goes, am I doing that? I go, yeah, you see, elbow got to be a little bit higher. And then, so he did that, and I asked him, how do you feel? And he showed, like, that his hand was, like, really high in the air. I said, that's what it feels like. So a lot of times what they feel isn't what they're actually doing. So I said, well, you know, you look in the mirror. Every time we lift, you're going to have to go in the mirror and, and do a throwing motion until what you see in the mirror coincides with what you what you feel. And that was like one of the things that, that really helped me coaching when you try to fix kids on stuff. Yeah, I think the, the feel part is so much of it. Like we, again, goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's about finding ways to get kids to uh, – you know, fix whatever, whatever they're trying to get better at. And then as a coach, of course, trying to find the, the right words and movements and, and, uh, feels right to, to help them through that. Um, man, coach, I, I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. I, again, really appreciate of you. I, when I had texted you, texted you for this a few nights ago, you responded in like a minute of like, yeah, sure. Here's my email. Let's do it. Um, and I just, it, it just kind of helps solidify how cool the baseball community is and how willing people are, um, to just, chat baseball and it's just a really cool thing and i i'm so appreciative that i had the chance to talk with you and meet you and um wish you guys the best this upcoming season and look forward to hearing about some big fish you, you catch in the future if if you're in hawaii just just come up to our place you have my email. oh absolutely i'll just walk through the school and right back to you yeah just come up just come up i mean i'm around because i live on one well, end of campus but i'm there you know so <laughs> you come by take a look at our place and you know just hang out that'd be good and, and good luck to you. All right, man. Appreciate you. Good oh, yeah. Thank you. you. Yeah, you just start. You're just starting, man. I wish I was your age now and what I know now. <laughs> when Dunn and I connected, we were separated by about 2,600 miles of the Pacific Ocean. But somehow he made it feel like I was in his living room. And I can say with complete sincerity that it was extremely difficult for my inner voice to convince me to finally stop recording, I felt like I could have talked with him all day and never missed a beat. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, or maybe even a hat, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, share this thing on social media via email or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Mimaru for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.